Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and every week I sit down with one or several members of our church staff and host a conversation about how Bridgeway is seeking to fulfill its mission as the Church of Jesus Christ here in our city. If you are a member of Bridgeway, we hope this helps you more deeply engage with what God is doing in our midst. And if you aren't a part of Bridgeway, we hope you feel welcome and that our discussions may lead to more Christ-glorifying ministry in your own context. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Bridgeway Podcast. We're really glad that you're joining us here on our fourth week looking through how our core value of courageous faith shapes us as disciples. So we've been looking at different things that we as disciples do. Uh, we started off, if you have not listened yet, I'm, I've said it every week, you need to go back and you need to listen to the first uh, time I sat down with Sam and talked about courageous faith as we defined it. It's a really helpful episode. Uh, it's something that's been really helpful for me, so I would encourage you to go back. Uh, then Sam and I talked about what it, what it means to read our Bibles with courageous faith. And, um, and then uh, last week, I sat down with Andy and Seth, and we talked about what courageous giving looks like. And that was a really challenging episode. Um, so if you've missed any of these, please go back and listen. Uh, they've all been really great. Uh, it's been a joy for me to sit in on them. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about courageous serving. So disciples of Jesus serve one another. Um, that's all throughout the Bible. And so we've brought two people in. Uh, I get to pick the guests most of the time. And so uh, I, I definitely typecast my guests based on the, the topic. Uh, the two people that I have joining me uh, really do um, I embody what it means to be a servant. Um, they, they, they example that for me, um, both on a personal level and um, on a pastoral level uh, here at Bridgeway. And so I'm really glad to welcome uh, Kelsey White. Uh, welcome to the show there, Kelsey. You've yeah, been on thanks. several times before, and so you are our Connections pastor, correct? Yeah. Did yeah. I do it right? Okay. Yeah, the, I, the serving guy now, I guess. The right? serving guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and also Eddie Helker. And Eddie, is this your first time on? on? Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome. Yes. We're so glad that you're here. And what's your official title here at Bridgeway? Well, I am the college pastor, but I, due to the fact that I'm also the oldest other than Sam on staff, I also do a lot of the pastoral care pieces. Awesome. Well, we're really glad that you're with us. Um, I don't even know if you can tell by Eddie's tone of voice. He's just, he carries himself like just this, this servant. And so I'm really glad for you guys to hear from Eddie today. And um, it's going to be a really good discussion. So what I want to start off by talking about, um, it seems like maybe a foregone conclusion, or it seems like something that we should just assume to be true. Um, but I want to ask, like, why is serving part of the Christian life? Why, why is that uh, why is that something that we should do? Uh, but, but, but maybe before we answer that question is, uh, how should we define serving? Like, what, what, is, what does it mean to serve? Is it to be subservient, to be submissive, to give to others at the expense of yourself? What do we mean when we say serve? Eddie, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just think through the way that, that Jesus' joy of giving himself away. Mm -hmm. that, that would be the, the example I would point to, that, that when I look at a servant, somebody that can ascend to any level they want to, but yet out of joy and obedience they gave themselves away mm. would be the exemplary uh, idea I would have in mind that there's got to be something that's beyond my capabilities of understanding the, the fruits of this, if mm. you will, because 
there's a greater call. Mm. So when I look at serving, I, I always th- think of Jesus as uh, condescending himself to become man mm-hmm. and the way he gave himself away and even go into a cross. Yeah. So, so that g- would be yeah. my example. Of it. So giving of yourself, even if um, the fruits of it uh, don't often make sense from a worldly point of view. Absolutely. Okay. Kelsey, anything to add to a definition of serving? I'm wise enough not to, to try to add to things that Eddie says, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I think to nuance one of them, yeah. um, and I, I think part of it is, is Jesus is described as a servant all mm. throughout Scripture. And, and so part of being a disciple or a student of Jesus means to learn to do the things that our master and king and teacher did. Yeah. And what did he do? He served, and then he command his, commanded his disciples to do likewise. And in fact, said that we would be recognized by the world in the way that we exemplify our love through serving. Mm, yeah, that's really good. Okay, so we're talking then about um, Jesus as the chief servant, that he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, we're, we're, uh, Eddie, you touched on condescension that, and you also talked. You, you also touched on no matter the heights to which we're brought, um, we are called to serve. Uh, Jesus was at the highest of heights. He he was literally uh, he is God. He's preexistent. He's eternal, um, and yet he left that high place and condescended to us. But not just to be among us, to be served by us, which would have he would have had every right to do. Um, and that would have been even good for us to be able to see him and serve him here in the flesh. But no, he went further, became becoming a servant, um, and and even uh, was obedient as a servant unto death. So uh, from highest to lowest. Um, and so what we're asking then today is uh, if that is what what the biblical Christian view of servanthood looks like, no matter our position in the world, giving of ourselves. Uh, in order to be obedient to God and to show others his glory is probably the part I would want to add into this definition mm-hmm. is that what's the purpose of serving is is probably to show people God um, because he's shown himself to us as a servant. So that's what we get to do is partake in that. Then um, then why then, Kelsey, maybe you've answered it, is, is that my first question was why is serving part of the Christian life? Is it just because... Well, Jesus serves, so we do, because he's our master and we're his, his disciples. Is that the reason? Is there something else that we should think about when it comes to why we serve as Christians? Eddie, thoughts? I, I just think of the way that, um, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I gave you the example as we were talking beforehand about somebody that, that gets, gets to go in as a first responder, mm-hmm. right? And and I think of the, the, the somebody that does that is somebody that was trained every day to give their lives away in a difficult situation, in mm. a place where their life is on the line. And so I would just answer it, David, by saying that somebody that does, that gives themselves away in a huge way is somebody that is trained every day by the grace of the Lord Jesus, by, the, by their acquiescing to the gospel, mm. to be that person that would just do it as a, as a way of life, you know? Um, I'm only doing what I what what I what God's been doing in me every day mm-hmm. with that, and so that's the place where I would point to, to say that's what courageous faith looks like. It's not just this one time, wow, mm. look what they did. Mm-hmm. It's a day to day dying to self. That's the person that's courageous to me. It's I, I think lots of people would run into a house and save a baby mm-hmm. and maybe give themselves up, but how many people day after day 
give themselves away. How many people go out and adopt a child and now the rest of their life, every single day, mm. is given away? And that's the example that I think of when I think of courageous faith. Yeah, I'm really interested in what you said there. I think you, you've approached it from a different way, which is classic gospel, is is to say that um, why is serving part of the Christian life was the question, and um, it, the answer wasn't, um, well, because we have to, or um, because that's what it means to be a Christian, or uh, because the world needs saving and we're the ones to do it. You know, any of these numbers of answers that we might have submitted, but instead it was, how can you not? You say like a first responder, you're trained as like a firefighter and you know how to fight fires. You know how they operate. You know how the gear works. You know um, everything there is about the minutia of fighting a fire. And so when there's a fire, you react. That's what you're trained to do. Why? I mean, if you had that knowledge and those tools and those resources, why wouldn't you go? Of course you're going to go. And so what you're saying is like as Christians who are trained by the grace of God, uh, that God has served us by dying for us on the cross, we have been so radically changed by that that day by day we find ourselves serving. And so why is serving part of the Christian life? Because it can't help but be, because we've been changed by the ultimate servant. Is that close to what you were saying? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Kelsey, thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's great. It, it's fantastic. And, and, and the way you two have helped frame it uh, gives me new thoughts and, and new ways to think about it myself. Mm-hmm. I think uh, another aspect of it is the fact that uh, servanthood is is also an act of worship, yes, and it yeah. magnifies the gospel, brings glory to God, like like you were saying, and is fuel for our own joy. Mm-hmm. So when we serve out of the love and acceptance and promise promise of reward that we've already received in Christ, um, when we serve, we don't actually f- necessarily always feel like we're sacrificing anything. Mm. Instead, we can actually gain joy in meeting the needs of others. Um, that's why Jesus promised it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like a really clever idea. It's <laughs> the fact that we're actually gaining joy in meeting the needs of others. Yeah. And I think we get this warped view that, that actually is, is a cultural view in our mind that to truly serve means to uh, sacrifice of yourself to the point of pain. Yeah. Uh, where um, if you enjoy what you're doing, if you look forward to it, if it gives you more energy afterwards, it didn't actually count. Yeah, it can't be service. Right, and which right. is totally opposed to the gospel. Why did Jesus go to the cross? For the joy set before him. Exactly. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I often don't think I'm serving if I'm enjoying it. And I and like that reminds me of, uh, oh, I think it's the end of Colossians 2 or 3. I can't remember where it talks about like a, like where asceticism and severity to the body may may seem wise as a way to control the flesh, but it will never avail of anything. It will never uh, sub, like subside our passions. Uh, and, it, and it's like, it seems like um, if you don't enjoy something, if you're, you know, kind of whipping yourself and doing something you don't enjoy, that that is the more noble thing. But what we're saying is the the crazy thing about the gospel is that God is extending to us an offer for more joy, and that joy is pursued counterintuitively. If, if you want to gain your life, you lose it. If, right. if you want to experience joy, you serve, which is very countercultural, right? Because our our culture says that if you want joy, you you get you get your own. You you pursue yourself and what you want. You get others to serve you. Yeah, yeah, yes, right, yeah. That's that's really good, man. Uh, Eddie, thoughts on joy and all this? 
Well, David, I, I mean, as you guys are talking through that, it reminds me of the constant upside downness of the gospel, <laughs> yeah. of the way that it's like, and, and, and none of that should surprise us mm. because if God would become man in order to give his, his, his life away, that everything like that, that paradox is just woven through everything. So there's nothing about that that should necessarily sur- surprise me that being a servant is what's looked at as the highest mm-hmm. echelon. Mm-hmm. It just is when, when our God, the, the Father who created us, and uh, would give his son for us, mm-hmm. then there's nothing about servanthood that is upside down like that, and, and the joy that comes out of that should be a surprise. It's just kind of woven into the gospel narrative. It's yeah. ro- woven into the way God does stuff. Yeah, yeah, we get to, in, in serving, we get to be like God, which is... The greatest joy and the greatest purpose for our existence, and and so that, that's really. I also, I think I'm reminded. I think you're the one who. I don't think it, I definitely didn't originate with you, Kelsey, but I think you're the one who told me it the first time I ever heard it was from you. Where this idea of uh, the world, speaking of the upside down, this is what made me think of the world is always seeking to be served, and there's only so much room at the top of that pyramid. Right? Uh, yeah. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah, I think we talked about yeah. this last time we were together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it on the show? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I, it's, it bears repeating. It's so good. Oh, good. Where it's just like, there's only so much room for those who want to be served. And and at the end of the day, there's the kings and the rich and the ruler, and they put people under them, and that's how a pyramid's formed. Right. But underneath, at the bottom, there is always more room to serve. And so, like, people always are feeling frustrated that, like, man, what's the call for my life? And, like, I have nothing to do that matters. And, like, where can I get plugged in? What can I do? And it's like, man, there's always room at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And there's always room to run. And uh, there's, there's always places to serve. And, and, and Eddie, I know you, you had kind of talked about maybe helping us think through different categories of places that we as Christians can serve. Because when we say serve as a, as a church podcast, are people just thinking, like, worship band and... Uh, you know, like maybe you're praying in front of the church or you're doing something of the official offices of the church or something like that. But when we say serve as Christians, can you maybe walk us through some different things that the Bible thinks about and we should be thinking about whenever we're talking about serving? Yeah. Kelsey and I talked about how uh, it's my impression that it's probably about 95% of our serving ways that we serve each other is through our community groups and through our community group pastors mm-hmm. and the closeness of 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 that, but there are certain situations in which um, somebody needs to. That is, again, I'll utilize the term the first responder, kind of rides in to that particular situation. I think of some of our uh, ladies that do a more concentrated pe- prayer for for um, other people. I think of sometimes that you know the people that visit others in the in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of our widows ministry who was just you know devised by a by a widow herself that said how how could we better serve each other um, in in this? And I just think that though there, there's typically ways in which somebody has a call on their life that's mm. probably pretty small in some people's opinion. It's not a teaching pastor or a worship. Uh, leader. It's not going through the gospel-centered life, you know, right. on a week-to-week basis, but they're there and they're constantly giving themselves away. I think of the people that when I, you know, when I walk into church, you know, and they still know me, but they're still there to hand me a bulletin and, mm-hmm. to, and to greet me with a smile on some of these terribly miserable days that we've Windy had in Oklahoma, Oklahoma days. <laughs> yeah. this last February. So, um, you know, that it's those type of people that are serving and they find and you see the joy mm-hmm. you see the expression 
uh, on their on their face as they give themselves uh, for the glory of God and to each other. Yeah, um, I mean, what is it about serving that? About like what what is it about serving that gives us joy? I just I I can't. There's this link I think between. Uh, I think Sam and I talked about it on the very first episode of this series, uh, where we talked about there's this cultural narrative of boredom, that we are discontent, we're bored, not just with our faith, but with our jobs, with our lives. Uh, just we're just feel we feel stagnant. We're stuck in middle class. Like we just everyone mm-hmm. feels bored, and and so like we're like I just got to do something crazy to to escape that boredom. And um, I can't help but just think of serving as an antidote to boredom. Like, yeah. does that make you think of anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes when we think of, especially since we're talking about courageous service, you know, yeah. that, that idea sounds kind of odd. It, it, it's like some really abnormal way to serve. And, and I think what we're talking about primarily is being ready to risk and to walk in obedience. Mm-hmm. And so and to, to that end, if, if, you're, if you're at Bridgeway, or maybe a, maybe another church serving and committing to waking up early, showing up on a Sunday morning, and standing outside and handing out bulletins um, may sound like a, a, a small, trivial thing. How much courage does it take to hold the door <laughs> open for people? Probably not much, yeah. uh, except the, the courage comes from, I'm going to commit to you lose some sleep. Right. I'm going to commit to committing to things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, somebody at a, at a conference just recently said, um, leaders commit to things. Followers avoid committing to things, <laughs> which is yeah. really helpful. So you're actually making commitments with your life to give to other people. And uh, I, I think what we see is in this pattern of, of Scripture is, is that, that God has, has called us to live our lives in such a way that is actually for our good mm. and for our flourishing. And that means serving other people. And as an antidote to boredom, as an antidote to this restlessness, um, not that that's the only reason we serve, right. but what we see is I, I don't see people being bored when they're serving other people. Yeah. You know, I don't see somebody wondering if their life has uh, any meaning mm. when they are serving other people because I'm not seeking to find meaning anywhere. I've, I've, I've been called to a task. I've been called to use the gifts that God has given me to serve his people and to build up his church. Yeah. And I'm actually becoming part of a greater story rather than trying to build and create my own narrative. Yeah, definitely. Eddie, any thoughts on that? No, I think Kels probably summarized that. Yeah. In, in a, <laughs> he sees serving in a way that that is really does a great job of administering it, mm. but also reminds of the joy. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Kelsey do that with the, with the people that he trains and equips. And so it's not like they know, well, here's my slot and I mm-hmm. show up and I do this thing, but he's constantly reminding them that they were created in the image of God who decided to give himself away. It was his choice. It was his idea from the foundations of the world that he this crazy mm-hmm. mystery of he'd give his son and that he'd do it in a way that he would become the least, you know, to be born in this little backwoods <laughs> town, of, you know, of Bethlehem and, yeah. and do it the way he did it. And I just think Kelsey sees that in, and empowers the people that are out there with this, that, that courage takes doing this day after day as opposed with some heroic and intent that we would say that you know we're going to make a plaque or a statue out in front of the of the of our community with this with this person right so uh, i mean i i kind of want to ask this question then um like we talked about like uh, if it doesn't hurt it feels like serving doesn't count Mm -hmm. uh i'm also wondering um 
I feel like maybe one narrative people might be telling themselves that's, that might be a lie is if it's not for someone less fortunate than me, it doesn't count. Like I've got to find like I like we're definitely I want to talk about I want to I want to talk about like, we are definitely called the least of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so we as Christians, and my question is, whom do we serve? Like in in the world, who are we called to serve? Thoughts? Yeah, that, that's a that's a, a good question. I haven't actually had to like specifically sit and wrestle out an answer to a question that's phrased that way. You know, which mm-hmm. which is really great. Um, so my thoughts are probably going to be developing as I talk and as we discuss it. So it's the only way I do it. So. <laughs> but but you're better at, at developing thoughts as you talk. Because <laughs> so. I never stop talking. That's the problem. <laughs> I, I think Christians are, are, in some sense, we're called to serve everyone, right? right. To be the servant of all. Yep. Uh, in some sense, we're es- we're especially called to um, those who are outsiders, whether that's um, because they're the the, the least of these, uh, or or because they're ostracized, because they're on the outskirts of society, because they're in great need. Um, and then, in some sense, called to serve a. Sp- Especially those within the household of faith, mm-hmm. um, because we are we are known uh, by the world for our love for each other, mm. um, and that's not to the exclusion of the world. But right. it it says something about the the nature of Christian community that when Christians come together, uh, their concern is to be s- serving each other, not to be served by the group. Mm-hmm. So you can especially see this in our community groups. We come together. And an unhealthy group looks like somebody that, that where a, a bunch of people come and they look at themselves in the presence of others. The healthy group looks like a group of people that come together and are dedicated to serving and encouraging each other. Mm. And then I think there's a sense in which Christians are called to serve those that are not believers um, so that they can uh, show Christ's love and character and to create an opportunity for an open door mm-hmm. uh, so I, th- I think of, of colossians 4 where paul prays that a door would be open to him mm. and immediately to share the gospel uh, and immediately after that uh, calls uh, other believers to walk in wisdom towards outsiders mm-hmm. making up the best u- making the best use of the time or buying right. up all the time that they have yeah. Uh, to make the gospel as appetizing as possible. And I have to think that part of that means serving other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I really answered your question about like where the priority lies, but I think those are categories yeah. that we have to be aware of in all situations. Okay, so we're, we're called, uh, in a sense, you've said we, we're called to serve all mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as, a, as, as a subset of that, and maybe, maybe there's primacy over that, that we're called to those on the outskirts, the margins, uh, you know, James talks about, you know, pure undefiled religion is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Mm-hmm. And so serving the orphans, the widows, the marginalized, the, the victimized. Uh, and then another primacy, another subset within all is those within the household of faith. Um, and then you've identified another subset of all, which is those outside the household of faith. And, and they all, uh, these are all different categories. I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's helpful to rank them. <laughs> right. Uh, but um, I think those are, those are three helpful categories within, but there's this overarching one about all that maybe still needs some shape to it. Eddie, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just think, David, in that cat, in that sense, as you guys are talking through that, it reminds me of a sovereign God that all day long I'm walking in this vignette that he has 
created. Yeah. And I, I just can't, I'm not smart enough to know which ones I'm not supposed to or who I am. I only know that spirit-empowered, courageous serving looks like me being open and trying to look for this God who has put people into my place, whether or not it's dragging a, mm. you know, a woman that was caught in the middle of adultery like we see in John or a woman at, at, a, at a well that mm-hmm. obviously was there for, for reasons, or if it was just sitting around with the disciples around whatever, a campfire, whatever mm-hmm. they did in that, um, in, in that situation. I'm always called that I have a sovereign God who is orchestrating everything. And I, I want to see each one of those situations as him as the director of everything working out, you know, his glory, mm-hmm. my good through the gospel in each situation. Yeah. And I think in conversations like this, we can build up in our mind this hypothetical of, okay, there's all these options for me to uh, serve and I can only do one to the exclusion of the others. Which ones do I do? But but that's just not the way real life works. No. I mean, what happens is, is we, we uh, have opportunities to serve and especially within the body of Christ, uh, we have to, to believe that, that God has given gifts to the body and, he, and he's differentiated those gifts mm-hmm. and he, he's given e- each person and, and put you in, uh, if you're a believer, it should be in a local church um, and that he's using all the diversity of gifts that he's given to the people in that local church to accomplish all that he has. And so, um, you know, if, if you just don't love babies, you don't need to sit in the nursery and angry rock babies. <laughs> you know, there's somebody that's, that has a gift for that. And and there's probably a time for, uh, you know, this isn't my love, my, my, I don't feel like I've got a gift for rocking babies, but uh, I love this place and I want to help yeah. and, until there's somebody that has that gift that can, can take it on. But I, I don't know that that's the normal experience. I, I think the normal experience is, um, God has given you a gift, whether you know what it is or not. Mm. And when you start seeing a need and you reach out to meet that gift, sometimes you'll find that uh, you have abilities to meet that need in ways that others don't. And mm. that's a pretty good indication that God's gifted you to do that. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Um, so, man, I, I I feel like we I want to I want to try to 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 get a little more practical. Um, I still feel like the by this word serving. Um, I, I don't feel like I have a good grasp on it. When we when we defined it, we, we talked about, I felt like we t- defined it on a really top level, which was um, serving is giving of ourselves because Christ has given himself to us um, so that we might show him to the world and enjoy him. So like that was kind of our working definition. Uh, but I'm like, what is and isn't serving? Or like, I, you know, like, what is it? And, and like, why am I called to do it? We kind of talked about who it's everybody we encounter. We remain open to the Holy Spirit. We're walking in God's sovereign vignette. I love all these images we have, but now I'm like, what is, what is, what is serving? Is serving, um, giving my money away, giving my time away? Is it some, is it always giving? Is it all like, uh, can we can we get a little more practical and and help help us understand what we mean when we talk about serving? So so it, it's hard and, and what's ironic is it's kind of like talking about leading. It's it's like mm. if everything's leading, nothing's leading, but something <laughs> has to be leading. Sure. And I think the same thing is true with serving, but it, serving is just so broad that it's hard to pin down a really specific definition. Mm-hmm. My mind goes to saying something like um, using the what you have to further someone else. Yeah, I like that. And so we have different things. I've got time, I have uh, resources like money, Mm. um, 
I ha- so that's kind of serving by giving of, of mm-hmm. finances. Um, I have my my life. I have my home. I have uh, my my skills, my energy, my uh, interests and hobbies. Yep. And and I think you can use all those things to further the interest of another. Yeah, I like that. Is that helpful? I, I think so. Eddie, thoughts? Yeah, we have. I th- I think of some of our men who kind of do their own um, recovery group. Mm. And they serve each other in that in that group. All of them have been through different circumstances. It isn't just one recovery, you know, addiction to um, drugs. They all have different uh, places they are in in recovery and in different areas in which they've struggled in. And they help each other. They serve each other in those areas. So it isn't like like they all can relate because they've all been through this certain, you know, download or this certain 12 step or whatever that they might have gone through but they're there for each other and they're reminding each other that the core of what's going to bring them through this is the gospel Mm. is the work of jesus that's a current it's the work of the spirit of god in them but it's also the way they serve each other in that group and bring them along that's what happens with our with our widows and now when somebody moves into that into that uh, category tragically they've lost their husband Mm. or in some cases they're their wives or their husbands, they help them along in that process. Yeah. And they're there for them. Mm-hmm. They, they, they show up. Kelsey had used that, uh, those words earlier to describe it. They're, they show up and they remind them of the core truth of what Jesus has mm-hmm. done and who he is. Yeah. I, I can't help but now think a, a couple things. I'll try to address them one at a time. One is... Um, serving in a sense, I, I have to wonder, has to not only be an action, but an attitude because a servant, right, is, is a lesser in an economical standpoint. And, and so it, maybe talk a bit about what are your thoughts on like, as, as a servant of all, mm-hmm. um, what is that, how does that change the way we view ourselves and others? Are we supposed to think of ourselves as less than others, as others more important than ourselves? Half of that's biblical. Have fun with that. Like, you know, <laughs> what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I think um, I I heard somebody one time helpfully describe uh, we we talk about the the biblical worldview as being upside down. Really, it's right side up. The world's upside down. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. so, and then when the, then the kingdom expands on earth, what it does is it turns the world right side up. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have an upside down view in our culture of the servant being lesser. Yeah. Uh, that is clearly not the view of God. Right. And so some of it is it's it's because that's the the water that we swim in. It's really hard for us to get away from that thought, and, and especially in in uh, our country where we have a. a a, not a, a history in, in the not too far past of, of actual slavery yes. and and servanthood, and that was built on the idea that people are less. inherently less mm-hmm. valuable. But but I think I think the right side up kingdom theology is that all people are are created in the image of God and are of equal dignity and worth. And as as uh, you'll know this, uh, it was. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I think that said, like when you when you look around, you've you've never seen uh, you you're not looking at any finite people. Right. Everybody's eternal. Everybody's yep. going to live forever. It's one place or another. You're right. Not and looking. if you if you saw them, uh, if you saw them in their eternal state, you would be tempted to fall down and worship them, is what C.S. Lewis said. Right. Yeah, right. right. And, and and so, I think with this right side up kingdom view, um, serving is an expression 
of uh, the glory of, of, of God, uh, and it's glorifying what God has done in his image and, and, and people. Mm. Uh, and so I'm not serving uh, because I am, I'm less than somebody um, and that they have earned service mm. uh, because Jesus, my, my hope for salvation, <laughs> is wrapped in the fact that Jesus, who is the only one that has actually earned the right to be served, uh, chose to serve. Right. Right. Yeah. That's really kind of ran around your question, but, but I no, think I think you actually addressed the heart of it. Yeah, I think you really did, Eddie. Anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I think David, with that, there's something about the way that God set it up that He would that I, I'm going to use the word again, condescend Himself to become a man. That there's something about that 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 divine sovereign peace that He says, "This is the way I'm going to do it." That that is just joyful. That it is just that that sets things every everything back up on, on like Kelsey said, it, the 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 way that it turned it right right mm-hmm. side up, and I just have to look at that in in, in awe, and there's something about that mystery that's just joyful for me to think mm-hmm. think about. There's something about you know when you're presenting the gospel that there's the story I love of that too. You know, it isn't. I, I mean, obviously Jesus is the one I love, but he's like. Wow, I just like the mystery yeah. of that, you know. To to to, and I just think some people start to look back, and that's happens when they when you serve them, especially when you're when you are in some ways a superior to them, mm-hmm. you know. When you're the the congressman and and you're set and there and there's an event and you're the one out there setting up the chairs, right? You know, when that people see that piece of it, not so that you can have the accolades of, oh, what a servant, Mm -hmm. but it's because there's this joy of seeing things turned around that it's like, Mm. wow, there's something about that person because they don't have to do that. And it feels like it's, it's, it, it, that, that, that they're, you know, it, it, it just, you, you just get this joy of this is what's right. I've never thought of serving as an active rebellion against the world's upside down kingdom. Mm-hmm. That serving is an act of aggression against it, peaceful aggression, saying, I'm gonna turn this thing upright. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. show you that no matter who I am, no matter what my position is, whether high or low, I'm going to serve, not because I'm gonna take the lowest place, but because Jesus has told me this is the highest place. And like, you don't understand this, and I don't either all the time, but I'm gonna live as if it were true. And so, like, maybe that's the right segue then for us to talk about courageous serving, that the world says serving is belittling, that it puts you on the lowest rung of society, that um, if, you, if you go low, you'll stay low, you know, like, you only go up if you, if you reach up. And, and, and so there's, just, there's, there's a lot here that the world has said it's counterintuitive to serve. And so what, what, what do you guys think about courageous serving being that which says, um, despite the world's poisoned view of serving, we are going to um, live in the right side up kingdom of God and and take the lowest place because God said it's the highest place. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that absolutely uh, takes courage to, mm. to do, um, to know that I'm, I'm not going to be fighting for the promotion. Right. Right, yeah. I I might actually get passed up for the promotion mm-hmm. uh, because I choose to serve other people and right. and um, I, if I if I do really really well at serving other people, I might be kept as the servant. Right. Yeah. On you know I I might still be the person that makes all the coffee runs because mm-hmm. I do it so well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm reminded of um, there's a story I just heard. I was at a I was at an, at an event out in um, 
in Florida, and there's this amazing um, children's ministry called One Hope, and their whole vision is to get uh, Bibles to every kid in the world. It's a great, like a great idea. And um, you might have heard of uh, of like the the Bible app for kids, you know. And uh, they they they're the ones that developed that. Um, and and so there's this there's the story of if if you know uh, the the Bible app on your phone, U version, you know, mm-hmm. m- top downloaded Bible in the world, you know, three hundred. 50 million people plus download this thing. The reason that exists is because the president of One Hope um, connected the founder of Uversion with his, his top donor. And he said, oh, you, you guys need to talk. And like, you know, if you're in the nonprofit world, you know, the, the, the world's view of economics says, I need to hold on to my top donor because if he gives some to this guy, I get less, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's a, it's an economy of scarcity is what he likes to call it when he tells the story, but we operate on an economy of abundance. And so he said, I'm going to serve you by letting you talk to my top donor. And now since they talked, you know, uh, well, obviously one hope we didn't get hurt by that, but now we, you know, now, now the whole world has this tool that's revolutionized Bible engagement in over 1200 languages now, I think like, and so it's just like amazing, this counterintuitive idea of whenever a CEO of an international company gives up his biggest donor to someone who has not done anything yet mm. and says, you guys need to connect. Let me serve you at the risk, the courageous risk of losing something. Um, God blesses it. And th- amazing things happen around the world. And so I, I, that's just a story. Mm-hmm. I, it might be boots on the ground. Anything like that kind of pop into your head? I kind of love some story time here. <laughs> or any other examples? I, you know, I, you guys remember an old guy named Keith Green. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keith Green used to tell the story of, of in the kingdom, he said there's two, uh, in the two sides of it, that there was plenty of, of, of food to, to go around. Mm. But in the kingdom of darkness, you know, and, and where we live by ourselves and haven't seen the, the you know, the glory of, of, of Christ change us to, to see what faith, faith, what courageous faith looks like. He says that, you know, that, that, though, the, that every person in the, in, on this side, their elbow was locked. Both mm. elbows were locked. So they had a fork and enough food to eat. Mm. And he says on the, on, the, on, the, you know, in the kingdom of, of man, they just run around and they're just crazy uh, going nuts because they've got all that they need at their fingertips, but they can't get the food back to their, back to their mouths. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he says, but then in the kingdom of Jesus, he said, what they're doing is, is taking their forks, putting it in the food and feeding each other. Mm. And that's his, his you know, he, it was just this simple little story that yeah. he would tell about how we serve each other is it's because we're doing this for each other. And, and, and that in itself reveals the kingdom of how, you know, we, we have everything we need. It's just taking what Jesus has given us and serving each other with it. Yeah. And and, and I think, and, and this might sidetrack us a little bit, but since I've got two really, really great minds at the table with me, I want to play it out with each other. So I'm, I'm pretending to be host for a second Ooh, if go, I can. Go for it. <laughs> so I think sometimes we can, um, and, and probably rightly so, recognize one problem with the world's view of serving uh, that we've described as upside down. Right. But I don't know that everybody in our society would agree that that is the way they view serving. In, fa- in fact, I, I, I can think of um, close friends of mine that aren't believers that would say, yeah, I agree. I think that's upside down, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think one of the things we haven't touched on is, is the fact that Christians, we also don't serve because it's the right thing to do. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's kind of one of the other two motivations is—, is um, 
is serving because you should or serving because uh, it's it's the best thing for human flourishing right or 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 serving because you should uh, because you should care about this other human being and that's why it's right to do right uh, and, and I think surprisingly Christianity also rejects that yeah uh, as the key motivator is it is it in there yes mm. uh, but but I don't think it's our key motivator and, right. and in fact uh, Christians actually have a reason to serve for reward. Whereas yeah, right, our, our, yeah. our, I, I think our society would say that you should do it either um, moralistically because it's the right thing to do when people need it. Right. Or, and in doing so, if you do it for your own reward, then it, it uh, nullifies it, yeah. the good you were doing. The moral good of it. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I could agree with you. I think that any you know, most people could look at Mother Teresa of Calcutta and seeing that as a morally exemplary life that she would give herself in the leper colony of Calcutta, uh, exposing herself to disease, giving of every penny she was ever gifted, you know, dying next to these people that she was called to. Christians and non-Christians, Catholics and Protestants, atheists and Buddhists alike can look at that and say, wow, she was a servant of the least, mm -hmm. and that is a good thing. So I think I agree with you that, that, that maybe not everyone would be as... Uh, at least lip service wise, mm -hmm. would 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 say like that this version of what we're calling the upside down kingdom of the world is actually you know set in stone with mm -hmm. how everyone views serving. Um, so I, I think I agree with that. Um, and then now we're now we're wondering like so so about the motivation. What's the motivation, Eddie? What would you say to if our motivation isn't the ought or the should? What is it? Well, that dilemma is constantly runs around with us. We have these conversations about joy, you know, Christian mm -hmm. hedonism mm -hmm. like that. Was, you know, we have the same dilemma there in, in that. It, I mean, there's a we're created for joy. That's what we, we have written in the code of our life by our creator is that we were we were created uh, for that. I think it's similar to that with, with serving. There's mm -hmm. something about that, that laying down our life that is just in the code, in the DNA of grace that God has given back to us that is, that is the flip side of this selfish, self-centered desire for me that I just, it's just confusing, Dave. Mm -hmm. That's what sin is. Sin yeah. is really crazy confusing. Yeah. And the gospel is this paradoxical simplicity that takes the greatness of God and the goodness of God and puts them together with Jesus dying, mm -hmm. you know? And that, that, that piece of servanthood that all the way to, to a cross that doesn't end there, that has him rise from the dead, is, is, is so paradoxically uh, brilliant that it, that it reminds me that, you know, that servanthood looks like that. Yeah. You know, servanthood looks like this great joyful encounter that I'm having. And I would just add that the fact that what, when I hear the verb phrase courageous, it means I just do it. Yeah, you know, there's just a piece of this that's real simple, James kind of stuff. Is yeah. is, look, you got to do this stuff, guys. Mm -hmm. This isn't just philosophy, theology. Mm -hmm. There's a practice to this. There's a take a step, show up, mm -hmm. and start and start doing this. And that's what I think courage is. We can make it look like like I use the word first responder. I just say, man, it's just start doing it, you mm. know. And sometimes that's what joy has to follow the discipline. Yeah, uh, we use the term "no love do," and I mm -hmm. contend that do isn't just this action that comes out of love. Sometimes, sometimes I have to just say, 
God said it, and I'm going to start down this road and ask him to add you know, joy to it because right now it doesn't feel like it. Right now it's 14 degrees outside <laughs> and I'm handing out bulletins, you know. Right now the person that I'm visiting smells. Mm-hmm. That's sometimes I've got to stay in there and say, God, you've got to add the joy. <laughs> you, you commanded it. You're worth it. You called me to it and you'll empower me to pull it off. But I've just got to say yes to you and, and take this step. And, and I, that, that's one of the things I've appreciated so much about you is you is you live that out. You you are a person that does those things. And so when he made that comment about 14 degrees outside and passing out a bulletin, that wasn't uh, hypothetical. He actually did that a few weeks ago <laughs> when we were record, as of our recording. We pulled we pulled our uh, greeters in because I don't want to ask them to be outside. Some of them with kids uh, for an hour when it's. Uh, below freezing outside. So Eddie went outside, mm-hmm. let our greeters be inside and hand out bulletins because he wanted to serve the greeters. Right. And so he opened doors when it was 14 degrees outside. Yeah. I love what, 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 where we've landed here um, that what, what's the what's the thing that separates, if, if Christians and non-Christians can agree that serving the least of these is a good moral ought, then what separates our service from worldly service? Um, and I think, Eddie, you nailed it on the head when we're talking about that it's for our joy. And and Kelsey, you added in this idea that we also do it for a reward, that God richly rewards those who faithfully carry out what he has for them to do, which is so insane that he would prepare good works for us, lead us to do them, empower us to do them, and then reward us for doing them. It's all grace. <laughs> um, but what's amazing is, and it's very, again, this paradoxical simplicity of the gospel is that only when we realize that by serving others, we actually get something, we get joy, we get rewards, and ultimately we get God, right? Because we're imaging him, we're participating in his goodness. It's only whenever we're a little mercenary with our serving that we cease to be mercenary in our serving. Mm-hmm. Because only then will we cease using others for something uh, that will benefit us, either to uh, ease our conscience, to show others that we have uh, moral fiber, to try to uh, kind of calm down some kind of guilt, to try to earn some kind of um, philosophical or sociological badge that we want to wear. It's only when we realize that everything is for God, that and he is the one who receives all good work and will reward all good work, that we can stop doing things for the, for the reward that someone else would give us in serving them. It's only then that we can actually serve people is when we realize that we're serving God. Like, that blows my mind. So... Let's land the plane there. So uh, uh, th- this has been really great, and we're at the end of our time anyway, so that was perfect uh, perfect timing. Uh, Kelsey, thanks for playing host for a little bit. That was great. Yeah, thanks for letting me just like scoot in and I loved asking it. questions. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, and Eddie, man, we loved having you on. Thank you so much for your time. Um, it's really, okay. really gracious of you. Um, so um, this is uh, the penultimate week here in our, in our uh, core value on uh, courageous faith. Uh, next week will be our last, um, where we sit down with um, Andy and Matt, uh, who... They they, the dream team joined us to talk about uh, gospel courage uh, about a month ago, uh, and they're they're going to be back next week to talk to us about courageous going. So if you uh, want to hear about what it means to go to all nations, to go across the street, uh, to go to your neighborhoods, I invite you to join us next week for that discussion. So thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast, where you will find a new conversation every Thursday. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at bridgewayokc, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash bridgewaychurchokc. If you have any questions that you would like us to address on the podcast, feel free to email us at podcast at bridgewaychurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app as it helps other people like you find our program. So on behalf of all the pastors and staff here at Bridgeway Church, I'm David Bowden saying thanks for listening and we will see you next week.